The story of you we wrap up with this month on this last Sunday of January. Let God define you. In this world, there are so many negative voices that are trying to tell us what we can't do or what we are sufficient, insufficient in. And we can miss the mark if we're not listening to what God says. Let God define you, not other voices, not even the voice inside your own head. We can minimize our own value ourselves. The enemy plants thoughts in our lives that we can tend to cycle through. And today is an opportunity for us to recalibrate, to remember who we are, who you are. Let God define you in the story of you. What would have happened if Sir James Dyson listened to the voice in his head of failure? Dyson, does that name sound familiar to you? The vacuum cleaner, Dyson? He went through 5,126 failed prototypes over the course of 15 years before creating the best-selling bagless vacuum cleaner in history. And it's brought him to a net worth now of over $16 billion. That's billion with a B. Dyson explains this. I made 5,127 prototypes of my vacuum before I got it right. There were 5,126 failures, but I learned from each one. That's how I came up with a solution. So I don't mind failure. I've always thought that school children should be marked by the number of failures they've had. The child who tries strange things and experiences lots of failures to get there is probably more creative. Who are you listening to? What voice in your life plays in your head that creates the image that you have of yourself? Satan himself attempts to define you with lie after lie. The scriptures define him as a liar and the father of all lies. He's not going to ever plant the right thought in your head. We don't realize sometimes that he's the source of what we're listening to and the self-talk that we have. Sometimes we're raised in families where we've been told things that were unproductive. Humanity, we are filled with depravity and we haven't always done our best for one another. Who are we listening to? Sometimes the people closest to you create an atmosphere that shapes you. Parents, teachers, coaches, bosses, coworkers, we're around people all the time. The noise can get so loud. We need to make sure we're tuned in to the one who created us. So let's go to his word. Ephesians chapter two and verse four. Listen to who God says you are. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Think of it. We were dead. We had failed. And God, because of his immense love for us, made us alive. He came and brought us hope and brought us life, brings us together, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where do we see ourselves today? Lowly, struggling, 
We need to see what he says of us. He defines us as being seated with him in heavenly places. He has raised us up to have a different view of everything going on around us, an eternal view, a spiritual view. We can be changed, transformed when we let God into our lives so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. He wants to show us immeasurable. You can't even measure how much grace he has to give us. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Here's an interesting shift he makes right here in these two verses stuck together. We've received grace not because we deserved it or earned it. It's good for us to know, it's just we're the object of his affection. He loves us because he made us, created us. We didn't earn our salvation, but now that we have it, look what he says of us. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Our works did not attract his favor. He attracted us by his love. Now that we're united with him, seated in heavenly places with Christ, one with Christ, now he's working in us, shaping us, so that we do good works that were prepared for us to do even before the beginning of time. We are able to do great things because of the relationship we have with him. Let God define you. In Job chapter 38, it's a fascinating picture that God gives of himself. Job's story is quite drastic, where he was doing fine and then had all kinds of adversities and losses. And there were friends of his telling him, why don't you just curse God and die? And Job's response was, even though he slay me, I will not curse him. I will always serve him. I will still love him. That was Job's commitment. And it comes from knowing the majesty of who God is. Sometimes we get in a place in our mind that we just feel like we're, we're being beat up all the time. And where's God? We get a sense that God doesn't really care by the circumstances we're going through. So God tries to help us by defining himself. We need to get this image of who he is. In Job 38 and verse 4, where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth, he says. He's helping us to realize, look what he did. Tell me if you have understanding, who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Any of us figure out, how does this earth work? He created it. We didn't have anything to do with it. We learn engineering because he's the great engineer. On what were its bases sunk or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? Or who shut in the sea with doors when it burst out from the womb? He's describing how the sea, the seas have borders. They don't go wherever they want. The seas have land that holds them in. Who did that? When I made clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling band and prescribed limits for it and set bars and doors and said, thus far shall you come and no farther and here shall your proud waves be stayed. 
God is asking questions of us humans. Any of you got this figured out? How could this be? He's describing his majesty. He's describing his brilliance. When you look at the majesties of the oceans, we're close enough. I hope you get there once in a while. There's something about standing next to an ocean and the waves coming in that you know how powerful those seas are and that God created all this and it's, it has boundaries. God shut doors around it so it can't come to Sacramento. There was a threat of tsunami. It's not coming here. We're in a good spot. Look what God has created. We need to understand his majesty. And when we do that and we realize what he says about us, I've united you with Christ and seated you in heavenly places. We have access to his majesty. We have access to his brilliance. We have access to his creative ability. He wants to download to us his thoughts. We need to get the image of ourselves defined by him. Matthew 10 verse 29 helps us to know how important we are to him. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father? He's saying, this might seem insignificant to you, but every bird I know, everything that happens, I understand, I care. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. And that changes every day. It appears. <laughs> Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Think of how valuable and loved you are by God and let him define you. Never forget how important you are to him. His focus is on you. We've been learning some of the stories of our friends here in our church family. I'd like you to listen to Christian's story and what he has walked through to where he is today and let his story encourage you. We all have a story, the story of you. Here's Christian. My story uh, is uh, one that I would not necessarily wish upon anybody. Um, I am a product of divorce, abandonment, uh, physical abuse, mental abuse, uh, emotional abuse. Um, my father raised me as a single, single parent uh, most of my life. My parents were divorced when I was about three and a half. My brother and I were split. And so uh, growing up with my father, I saw things that kids just, some kids, I would say all kids, should never see uh, lots of drug use, abuse, um, just, just, there was just a lot of uncertainty in my life. And 1985, I was living in Burning, California, which is just above Redding. Um, and my first exposure to really to what I th w thought what Jesus was about was this traveling family in, in Bernie. And they came to me and, uh, you know, nowadays that would just be stranger danger, of course. Um, they came to talk to me about Jesus. They just randomly were at my apartment complex asking people to sit down and talk with them. And so I did. And um, they just kind of gave me a breakdown of what it's all about to be committed to Jesus. And to this day, I still actually have that little pamphlet um, where it says, August 4th, 1985, Christian Coppola accepted Jesus Christ into his heart. Of course, you know, that was just the beginning of my journey, uh, you know, fast forwarding. 
um, throughout the times of my life um, where I've just ignored God. Um, or I would say it started, well, I mean, it's probably started in many ways because I didn't really have that appropriate person in my life that I could look up to that would mentor me in the proper way as a parent. And don't get me wrong, I loved my dad. And in my eyes, most of the time, he was my hero and he had my back. But, you know, if he was still alive today, he would tell you that he wasn't the best of fathers. Um, my mom, on the other hand, she's passed away since too. Um, so really, I had to look to my Nana, who's now 95 in March, um, as really my mother figure. So very challenging. But uh, nonetheless, when I look back in retrospect, going through that, um, a serious car accident where I was in a comatose for three days, um, you know, going through like all of life's challenges, I knew that God was always there. And as I fast forward to what I have now, you know, after going through what I went through in my second marriage, married to my wife for 14 years, blended family, five kids total, it's been beautiful, hard at times, but beautiful. Um, I, I credit the fact that God placed Kristen into my life as somebody who grew up in a Christian household, who had that foundation, everything opposite of what my life was. And I know that God pairs us. He's not, I know God is not, does not like divorce. And my first divorce with my first wife, you know, has a long story in itself. But to, for, for Kristen and I to find each other the way we did and to come together um, is truly, truly a blessing. Kristen and I just decided after the pandemic with our old church and it was only video and we were like, we want to go somewhere. We want to be somewhere physically. And we started coming here and I'm telling you, instantly, the connection I had with the men's group, with Steven our, and, and just the people in the men's group and Chet um, and then just listening to, to Pastor Cole, um, it was an instant connection. And I'm telling you, since I've been here in May, I have been more involved in in the church in six months than I have probably in six years. So the benefits are are amazing. The people, the relationships that I've met through Rooted and just uh, the men's ministry. I've seen the group like grow leaps and bounds. So um, just, I'm, I'm really thankful for this church. I have a story, you have a story, and this is the story of you. Thank you, Christian, for sharing your story with us. Our men's group is moving and growing. In fact, Wednesday night, we have men's and women's groups that start meeting this week, and there's small group connections, other small groups that are beginning. If you're looking for a way to connect with God, it also happens through connecting with others. Check that out this week even, and see about joining Christian and others in the journey to grow in understanding what God says about you. There's a person that's barely mentioned in the Bible. His name is Jabez, just a couple of verses. But he became famous through an author that wrote a story of the prayer of Jabez. First Chronicles chapter four and verse 10. Jabez called upon the God of Israel saying, oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my border and that your hand might be with me and that you would keep me from harm so that it might not bring me pain. 
And here's the clincher, and God granted what he asked. Here's a prayer we would do well to pray. 21 days of fasting and prayer, we begin next Sunday. February the 6th, we end with a praise and prayer time on Sunday night, the 27th of February. We're gonna press into God, help me understand what you say about me. And I'm gonna ask him, God, would you bless me? He wants us to ask him that. He's already said how loved we are by him, how much he wants to do in our life. I'm only agreeing with him. Oh God, that you would bless me and enlarge my border. I want to have influence. I want to help other people. What can I do to bring someone into faith? We're close to filling this room up with each of us just inviting one person. It's going to happen and we're going to see a great move of God's presence because the story of you is what God says about you and we can't help but tell somebody else about him. That your hand might be with me, that you would keep me from harm so that I won't walk in pain. And God granted his requests. It's a simple prayer, more wisdom, more power, more healing, more of his presence, more strength to overcome temptation, more finances to accomplish his purposes, more souls to come to faith in his amazing grace, more opportunities to serve others. Believe that you can grow. This is one of the important steps. Believe that you can grow. Don't think, ah, it's just me, it's just who I am. I'm accepting the deficiencies in my life. Never do that. That's the enemy's voice. God says, you don't have deficiencies. I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna make up for your deficiencies by my presence. I'm gonna build you up. Believe that you can grow and take a step. 1% step in the right direction will get you there. You're not gonna take it in chunks of 25%, 100%. It's 1% at a time. Read a little more, pray a little more. Say, God, what do you want me to do to step into the journey one step at a time? Focus on the journey. It is a journey. We don't get there in a day. We get there over time. When we reach a year from now and see the progress that we've made, it will be stunning. It's one step at a time and it's a journey. Focus on the journey and the joy of a lifelong pursuit that we have a chance to keep gaining ground. Pay attention to your words and thoughts. This is so critical. We have the wrong words rolling in our minds and the wrong thoughts often. And we allow those words to paint pictures of how we feel about ourselves. We need to pay attention to which words we're allowing to cycle through our mind and replace them if they're the wrong ones. We allow too many lies to land. We need to dismiss those, take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ and start thinking about what he says about us. On our website, there's a page that's been loaded today that you could download, but what I'm about to share with you is able to be printed with scriptures attached. I'm gonna share some statements of what God says about you, what he says about me. There are scriptures that go with every one of these statements. For the sake of time, you can look them up on this page. If you have the YouVersion app, we load our notes every week to the YouVersion app. It's there too. Here's what God says about me. Who does God say I am? I am forgiven. That's a great place to start. My sins are forgiven. I am chosen. He chose me. I am a new creation. I am a child of God. 
I am free from sin. I am more than a conqueror. That grabs me, more than a conqueror. Isn't a conqueror enough? I'm more than a conqueror. I have victory through him. I am God's temple. His presence is in me. I am one with Christ and seated in heavenly places. I am called. I am created for good works. He has something good for me to do. I am safe in Christ. No evil can come upon me and destroy me. I am safe in Christ forever, eternally free. My place is secured. I have a passport that says heaven on it that can't be removed. I'm called. Where did I leave off? I'm lost. Uh, that's not the right word. I am safe in Christ. I am victorious. I am not a victim. I am a victor. I am victorious. I am healed. Claiming that promise. I am surrounded by God's mercy. I am not alone. He is with me. And look, you're here too. I am strong. I am not weak. I am strong. You know how strong I am? He says in my weakness, he gives me strength. So I'm really powerful because I got a lot of weaknesses. But when I surrender my weaknesses to him, he says, here, let me help you. I am strong. My weaknesses don't define me. His strength defines me and he lifts me up out of those places to high places. I am joyful. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I am precious to God. He loves me. I am hopeful. I always have hope that there's a better day tomorrow than the one that's just ended. Something good is on the way. We're not going to be pessimists. We're always optimists. In God, there's always hope. The Hope Community Church is going to start in this town. This is declaring hope. I'm hopeful. I am a citizen of heaven. Nobody can take that from me. Nothing can separate from me from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Father God, I thank you for who you say I am. And I hold on to those promises as my testimony. The story of me. The story of everyone in this room that you have declared who we are. Help us to hold on to those truths and promises. Help us to grow. If you need his grace today, just reach out with this prayer. Jesus, I believe in you. I know I have failed. I have sinned. Forgive me. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for drawing me. Thank you for loving me. Taking me out of death and putting me into life. Seating me with you in heavenly places. I accept that gift today. And I want to follow you. I want to learn what you think of me. Thank you for that gift in Jesus' name, amen.